Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. Hey, I want to say good morning to all of you at every one of our campuses this morning. And man, we're just glad to have you with us as uh, we finish up like a three-week sermon series entitled Good to Know Today. And uh, if you missed being part of any of those conversations that we've had over the last few weeks, uh, Good to Know really is this. It is like a three-week conversation about some things that are just really like good to know when you're coming out of or, or maybe like you're in the middle of a very stressful time of your life. And and the truth is, as we said last week, every one of us, we're really in like this middle of a very stressful time of the year. Remember the uh, Christmas season for most of us? It is really stressful. In fact, somebody sent me this statement this week. It said, it's almost time to switch from my everyday anxiety to my fancy Christmas anxiety. <laughs> and you know why we kind of laugh about that? I mean, for many of us, there is some real anxiety that comes with the Christmas season, isn't it? Because see, while Christmas is like supposed to be the, like the most wonderful time of the year, for many of us, it brings with us a reminder of loss. See, for many of you, the Christmas season brings a reminder of loss. See, for our family now, um, our Christmas season, um, it brings a reminder of loss. Around Christmas of uh, 2012, my dad was diagnosed uh, with terminal cancer, and about 30 days later, on January the 26th, 2013, I'll never forget that day, um, we buried my dad. And you know, every Christmas since my dad passed away, um, at some point in time, that conversation, it circles back to our dad and the loss that we feel. And, and how much we missed him, and how much he was a rock in our life, and an anchor, and a support, and encouragement. In fact, for many of you, you don't know this, but when we launched our second campus, our Mariana campus, and we were building out the building for the Mariana campus, we were meeting, we were having prayer teams build out, build, meet in the building for prayer, and, and what many of you don't know is my dad prayed um, for all of you. Because I asked him to pray over the building and the future of the church, and that night he shocked us all because we thought there was just going to be like two campuses, and as we were in the middle of standing and where we were building out the building in Mariana campus, he prayed, God, help everybody here understand this is not the next campus only. There are more, and there are more people and more communities to reach for Jesus Christ. And so may this be the launching pad. May this be a place of sending. And I, I remember just looking up and going, whoa. That's why my dad was such a powerful force in my life. That's why he was such a powerful force in this church's life and in our family's life. You know, so after my dad died, um, when we started having those conversations around Christmas, I, I just kind of wanted to avoid the conversation. Because I'm like, I don't want to feel sad at Christmas. But the more we talked about it, the more it made me realize that um, what we were experiencing in that conversation, it, it actually was very healthy. Because what we were talking about in those conversations is this word right here, this word loss. In fact, well, what I've kind of discovered over the years is to not mourn loss, the loss of something, not only would be unhealthy, but it would absolutely be irresponsible as well. And um, one of the things that we often don't think about when it comes to this thing that lo of loss is, like whenever we experience 
loss, it's not just a loss when someone dies or something like that. We, we also experience loss when good things happen, don't we? I mean, you think about it this, your kids grow up. And that's a good thing. When you have kids, you want to have kids, and eventually you want them to start growing up. But, but here's the thing. If you don't look, handle the loss of your kids growing up in a healthy way because there is a sense of loss when they move from a baby stage to a toddler stage, each stage has it with a sense of loss, even though it's a good thing. If you don't help handle that in a healthy way, what happens is this, is you start treating your grown-up kids like they're still small kids and they're like little children in your mind for the rest of your life. And here's what I know. That's not healthy for you, and that's not healthy for your maturing children. In fact, some of you, the reason you have so much tension with your children is because you've not grieved the loss of your children growing up, and you still treat them like kids, and that's why they don't want to come home for Christmas. See, the other thing you got to understand is this, is loss, it doesn't just happen relationally, does it? I mean, loss can be like a broken dream. It can be a job that didn't work out, or it may just be like things are not working or going the way that we wanted them to go as we dreamed and we planned about life. See, loss, it enters our life in so many different kind of ways. And so while we're all experiencing loss, when it comes to dealing with loss, here's what I know, most of us, or at least most of us, we, we don't process it in a healthy, life-giving kind of way. But here's what loss does, it challenges us, or really, you could say it this way, it gives us the opportunity to grieve. Because the truth is, loss always needs to be grieved. Now, most of the time when we think of this word grief right here, whenever you hear it, most of the time you closely associate it with someone who passes away, someone who has died. But grief isn't just related to the loss of someone, someone who's passed away or someone who's died. Grief is also, don't miss this, it is a healthy habit for things that we've lost. So maybe for you, your, your loss is kind of wrapped up in the question like this. Maybe you don't even realize it, but it's like the question like, why did I get laid off? Or why didn't I get that promotion at work? Or why, why didn't I get to be on the team? Or at least why didn't I get to be a starter on the team? Or why was my child born with this particular need? Or why is everybody else married and I'm, I'm still alone, I'm still single? See, many of us, we go through our life and we kind of ask those questions and, and, and the way we respond to loss is wrapped up in those questions. But what we do is we bury the feelings and the emotions of that loss down deep inside. And what we do is we, we try to replace the loss in our culture. We call that self-medication. And like we try to get a new one or we try to buy another one or we go find another spouse or we bury the loss in some way. We, we try to avoid facing the loss or we try to replace the loss. But here's what we all know. That doesn't necessarily work, does it? Because we, we all understand, while we may not could articulate it, we all understand that when we fail to grieve the thing or the person or the dream that we've lost, what we're actually doing is we're burying something alive. What we're burying is alive is an emotion. We're burying emotions that are still alive. And here's the thing. Burying emotions alive, it ensures that those emotions, they're going to show up later on. 
and it's probably going to show up in a different kind of way. And the way that it's going to show up later on in our life, it's going to have a lot more consequences and fallout to it. I mean, think about it. How many people do you know that are grieving something and unfortunately their life has stayed in the ditch of alcoholism or workaholism? Or maybe you're living with this person, they, they've got all this loss in their life and they've never dealt with it, and they're a rageaholic. I won't even respond to that amen necessarily, but... <clears throat> But you know, you, you got that person and they control their world by anger. They control you by anger. I mean, they're just an absolute rageaholic. And, and they say, well, that's just who I am. And you're going, no, you got a problem. Because anger is a sign of a major problem on the inside. Or maybe their life is in the ditches of broken relationships. Or maybe it's not necessarily even a broken relationship. It's just... They're numb relationally. They're married to you, and they're, they're numb relationally and emotionally, and, and they just can't connect, and they're depressed, and they're sad, and, and you're thinking, man, you got the world around you. Everything's good for you, and no matter how you try to connect, they can't connect. Or maybe for some of you, it's like just kind of like in a compulsive eating patterns or spending patterns or something of that. See, all of us can think of someone like that, can't we? See, and the truth is, in fact, if the truth were really known, it could be traced back. All of those issues can be traced back to the failure to grieve something they've lost. Listen, failing to pay attention to our emotions has emotional consequences. Don't miss that. Failing to pay attention to our emotions, it has emotional consequences. In fact, everybody around you is eventually going to feel what you fail to grieve. So if you choose not to grieve, if you fail to grieve, if you avoid the habit or the practice of grieving in your life, it is eventually going to affect every relationship that you have in life, especially the ones that you care about, your spouse and your children and your friends. And I'm going to tell you something, folks, that's good to know when you're going through a stressful time in life. In fact, here's the reality. When we fail to grieve or we refuse to deal with grief, what we're doing is we're just kicking that can of consequence down the road. We're kicking that can of fallout down the road. And, and what we end up finding out is this, is the later we choose to deal with our emotions, the greater the consequence, the greater the fallout emotionally. It's why some of you live on the edge of burnout. It's why some of you are in burnout emotionally. It's why some of you are numb emotionally. It's why some of you, the only emotion you feel anymore is anger. Because literally what this statement means is this, is the later that you pay attention to your emotions, the more, more that you stuff them down, the more that you avoid them, you hide them, you bury them, the greater the consequence, the greater the fallout emotionally. So what do we do about this? Like, what do we do? Well, fortunately, here's the cool thing. There are some people who live before us, and, and they did some things, and they said some things that really help us understand how to deal with this thing called loss. And I think one of the best examples of how to deal with loss and how to grieve loss is Jesus. 
In fact, there's a story where Jesus, he interacts with the death of a friend of his by the name of Lazarus. I mean, I think it's like one of the best examples in Jesus' life. And we spent a whole sermon on looking at that story about six weeks ago. But I just want to kind of give you an overview of Jesus' response because it's a great example of how to deal with loss. In fact, the story, if you want to look it up sometime, is found in John chapter 11. But just for the sake of discussion to help us kind of wrap our heads around how to deal with loss, there are just a few highlights that I want to give us some insight on today. So in the story, Jesus' friends, Mary and Martha, they have a brother, Lazarus, who is sick and he's on the verge of death. And, and, and Jesus is told about this. And the way that Jesus responds is it gives us a little insight into the potential way that we could grieve with, or deal with loss or how we could face loss or even the effects of loss in our life. And if you read this story, you know that when Jesus found out that Lazarus was sick, he delayed in going to help. And Mary and Martha, they're like, please come help, come heal him. But Jesus delays. And, and what happened that caused his delay happen or as a result of Jesus' delay? Lazarus does what? He dies. In fact, he was so dead that when Jesus showed up and he says, hey, I want to see where you buried him, they said, Jesus, man, he's been dead so long, he smells really bad, so you don't want to go there. So they're not only mourning the loss or the sickness of their brother, but, I mean, now they're dealing with the loss of his life. And Jesus becomes very aware of their feelings. He's very present with them in that moment. He's very empathetic enough to feel what they're feeling. So he goes, where have you laid him? And finally, they let him go, and he goes to see him. And these next two words, I mean, they give us so much insight. The, these next two words, they give us such a great picture of the way that you and I were made and how we were made, meant to handle this thing called loss in our life. Now, before we give you those two words, if you're kind of new to this whole church thing, you're kind of checking out this Jesus thing, you don't know much about Jesus, I mean, maybe all you've heard about Jesus are like the miracles and the healing and the feeding of the 5,000, I mean, like the cross and the resurrection, like all those big things about Jesus. But what you see in this little picture of Jesus' life as he interacts with Mary and Martha at the death of their brother is the human side of Jesus. You see how he was affected by what others were feeling. You see how he was affected and how he dealt with this thing called loss. In fact, here's what John 11 verse 35 says. Jesus wept. Now think about this. Why did the apostle John feel like it was so important to include this into the story? Because the story is real about, really about, if you read on in the story, it's really about Jesus performing this miracle of raising a dead person back to life. I mean, that should have like been the whole focus of the story. But the Apostle John, he includes this little bitty detail. I think to let us know, if you're going through something difficult, if you have gone through something difficult, if you're going through some kind of loss, you've lost something or you've lost someone, it's appropriate to weep. See, this, this wasn't a sign of weakness. This was a healthy sign of grieving. So John lets us know before Jesus goes out and does this big miracle of raising a man from the dead, Jesus wept. 
Jesus grieved what he lost. And in doing so, Jesus models for us one of the ways that it can look to mourn or to grieve something that we lost. And, and we say one of the ways that we could grieve, because all of us, we grieve so differently. In fact, to try to prescribe a way to grieve, it would absolutely be foolish, because all of us are so different. See, the way that you grieve is different than the way someone else might grieve. So the good news is this, there's, there's no right way to grieve, but we all grieve differently, we all mourn differently, and we need to know what that looks like and what that feels like for us. But I think the Apostle, Paul, Apostle John, he includes this to kind of let us know, hey, this practice of grieving what you lost, it must be part of the process if you're going to stay emotionally healthy in your life. Now, there's another person who I think modeled this so well for us on how to deal with loss, and his name was David. And he was like one of the kings of Israel. He was the author of like probably the most famous or most popular psalm, Psalm 23. And it's a psalm that you, whether you know much about the Bible or not, you've probably heard this because if you've ever gone to a funeral, they oftentimes read it at a funeral because it's a psalm that is filled with all kind of hope. But there's like this one verse right in the middle of Psalm 23 that helps us understand how to process grief and loss. Now, Psalms 23, it's like this prayer that David is writing to God when you really stop and think about it. It's like a prayer, and it begins with this beautiful idea that God is our shepherd, and God, because you are my shepherd, you lead me into green pastures. You lead me beside still waters, and you quench my thirst, and you refresh, and you restore my soul. It's kind of that kind of prayer to God. And then right in the middle of this prayer, he talks about these moments in our life, these moments that require or even demand grieving. In fact, notice what he says in verse 4 of Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. Now, this word darkest right here, I mean, it is so important because what it does is it reminds all of us that there are dark valleys And that's not really new news to any of you on any of our campuses. I mean, we all know that life is filled with a lot of dark valleys. In fact, maybe some of you, you're in a dark valley right now. Maybe the Christmas season, it just triggers some things in you that you haven't grieved and it puts you in this dark valley. Maybe some of you, you've just come through a dark valley. But the worst thing you you could possibly do as you're processing the dark valley is to try to avoid the valley. Because see, the whole idea, the whole word picture idea behind this word valley right here is that you can't go around it. I mean, that's what a valley is. It's something that you just really can't go around. And so David reminds us, listen, even though I walk through the darkest valley, he's saying, you have to go through the valley. And that's the bad news. But then there's some good news in this verse as well. See, the bad news is you have to go through it. The good news is, I will fear no evil. And folks, this is so important for us. Because much of the dark valley is about the fear that we experience from loss. 
See, see much of the, so much of the dark valley is about who we've lost or, or what we've lost or, or maybe even worse, like, hey, what's going to happen to me now that we've experienced this loss or what, what are these uncertainties? How am I gonna deal with all these uncertainties that I'm going through as a result of this loss in my life? See, so much of our fear in life and, and so much of our anxiety in life, it is rooted in loss. See, recently, uh, since a storm happened, I, I started experiencing something I never experienced before in my whole life, and, and that was anxiety attacks. And I was like, what's going on here? Because I've never had anxiety attacks in my life. As I dealt with this with a counselor, it's like, it's this fear that is rooted in some loss. It's, it's rooted in, oh, what's going to happen now, or, or how are we going to pay for this, or how are we going to make it now, or how, how am I going to do this now that I'm alone, or how am I going to find a new job, or how does this change mean for me now? It's those kind of things. And it was interesting, once I was able to deal with my fear, that was a result of the loss of some of the things we experienced going through a storm, all of a sudden they went away. And see, and David's letting us know, you don't have to fear all the uncertainties of life. He says, listen, even though you walk through the darkest valley, he says, I'll fear no evil. Why? Here's why. He says, for you, God, you are with me. Well, why can I go through the valley and fear no evil? Because, see, I can trust God. I can trust that you're with me. I can trust that you're right beside me. I can trust that you'll hold my hand through it. I can trust God is with me no matter what. And see, some of you, you're avoiding dealing with loss in your life of, of something that's emotional because, see, you're not sure that you could face it. You're not sure what it would look like if you did face it. You don't know if you can handle the emotions. So, so what if you knew for certain that your heavenly father, he was with you? What would it look like for you to walk through that valley, not alone, but with him by your side? And what if you knew that he was holding your hand or that he had his arm around you as you walked through that dark valley? See, that's what got David through it. That's what got Jesus through his darkest valley. And that's what will get you and me through our darkest valley. And then he goes on and he says something else that's so interesting. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I'll never forget years ago, probably about 20-something years ago, I read a book by Philip Keller named A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. And he talks about the relationship between a sheep and the staff and the rod. And it's kind of like the rod is not necessarily thought of something as to bring comfort because a rod is there to protect and it's like, it's to poke and to prod. It's a reminder like to the sheep, like if we don't get going, we're in danger. If we don't move, we're not gonna get anything to eat. And then this whole staff thing, I mean, it was like the, the piece, of, you know, the stick that had the hook on the end of it that you've seen in pictures probably, and it was like for protecting the sheep, for grabbing the sheep, and kind of for guarding the sheep, that kind of thing. Now, why is the sheep comforted by the rod and staff? Not, not because it doesn't hurt sometimes when it's used. I mean, 
David doesn't say, hey, like, when you go through your darkest valley, even though God is holding your hand, he's got his arm around you, it's going to be lovely. He doesn't say that. No, it's not always going to be comfortable, but you can trust that the rod and the staff are going to get you through the process and get you to where you need to go. And that brings comfort, that you'll be able to trust the shepherd, your Lord, your Savior, Jesus Christ, to get you through that darkest valley, to get you where you need to go. See, that's why you can walk through the darkest valley. It's why you can face your loss with no fear. So here's a question. What does that mean for me, and what does that mean for you? Because see, how you process loss and grief, it really determines your emotional health in a, lot, in a lot of ways. So how do you process loss and grief in a healthy way? How, how do you come out of that darkest valley comforted? How do you do that? Well, I think there are three things that you need to do to process loss and, and grieve it well. So the first one is this. You, you need to review. That's the first thing you need to do. You need to review what's going on with and what's going on in you. So how do you know if there's something in you or going on around you that you have not grieved or that you have not fully grieved? How do you know that? Well, I think one of the best descriptions that I ever heard is this, that you kind of like buried something and you've not grieved it well, and that is this. You give a dollar response to a 50 cent incident. Now, some of you, you live with a person like that. I mean, you just say a little small response to something, and they just blow up. And you're thinking, all I said is you had lint on your shirt, you know? And they go like, see, I never get it right. I never get it right. You, why are you always picking on me? And you're thinking, oh, i just trying to help you a little bit, you know? So how do you know that you've not grieved something in your life? It's like when you give a dollar response to a 50 cent incident, literally like whenever there's a disproportionate reaction between the weight of the incident and how large the response is. Maybe that was you over the past couple weeks or months. It's like when you got your family's Christmas plan for this year, and somebody laid out the plan of when we're gonna have dinner together and we're gonna do this together and everything. I mean, it triggered this like huge response in you and the rest of your family's like, it's not even that big a deal. I mean, what's going on with you? It's not even such a big deal. I mean, it's only like one or two meals of the year, one or two days of the year. Why is it such a big deal what we eat or don't eat? Why is it such a big deal what time we get together? Why are you having a dollar response to a 50 cent incident? See, you, you need to review what's going on in you. And some of you need to keep your elbows to yourself right now. I'm just watching this going all over your life. See, you need to review why you give a dollar response when a communicator is communicating to you to somebody else like to a 50 cent incident, right? See, review is where this becomes really personal and practical. Kind of as we said last week, I mean, like you need to pause and ponder. So what would it look like for us to pay attention to that dollar response, to that 50 cent incident, so that we could make some space for some good, valuable grief? 
which then leads you to the next statement. Once you've reviewed and kind of got an idea of what's going on in you, you need to reveal it. Specifically, you need to honestly reveal to yourself that you've got an issue going on, and you need to reveal to some other trusted people in your life. Like, how are you responding to this grief in your life? How, how are you grieving the loss? You need to let people know, hey, this is just not healthy. What I'm doing is not healthy. I'm overreacting to my, my spouse. I'm overreacting to my children. I'm overreacting to my coworkers. I'm overreacting to, to incidents in life. I'm overreacting to my dog, but I'm not overreacting to my cat. You can never overreact to a cat. That may be a dollar response to a 50 cent incident. Yeah, who knows? Okay, but what does it look like for you to reveal? What does it look like for you to kind of take a healthy path, a path where instead of choosing to like bury your feelings and and replace the loss and say this lie that time heals everything because it doesn't. When is the last time that you made some healthy space for grief? Like what if we did instead, instead of just trying to bury all of your feelings and quickly replace your losses? What if you intentionally chose a path that would lead to health? Because here's the reality. The revealing of your feeling is the beginning of healing. So what if we decided, listen, I'm going to feel my feelings and I'm going to express them freely in a safe place. And then, folks, it's why we do small groups the way we do groups around here at Rivertown Community Church. Because it is so essential to have a group of people in your life that you can count on or a group of intentional relationships where you can express your feelings, where you can at least identify what you're going on and express it to, maybe not the whole group, but some people that maybe you've gotten close to in your group. In fact, what we're doing now is we're we're forming groups. We're getting leaders together to lead groups on all of our campuses, and you're gonna have the opportunity to sign up for a group in January, and maybe for some of you, this is kind of one of your steps. So what would it look like for you to actually pay attention to what you're feeling and then have this place where you can safely express it freely what you're feeling? And and then instead of just deciding, well, I'm just going to replace my loss and, you know, just what would it look like for you to slow down and review your loss and then have a place, have a group of people to actually reveal it to? Listen, until you have identified your loss, your loss owns you. It rules your feelings. Until you can actually say, this is what I actually lost. It is so important to identify what you lost. Can you say it? Can you articulate it? Have you mentioned it to anyone? Do you have a safe place? And then after you've entered in that safe place where someone has revealed that, and I want to tell you something. It's such a healing moment when you do that. In fact, in our group, I, I have a group of men that we meet um, every Wednesday evening and there's in our small group, my small group, and man, I love my guys, I'm telling you. We become like a huge family. And this Wednesday, let me just tell you how cool it is when this happens. This Wednesday, we were talking about, because we, we, we talk leadership talks all the time, if you can imagine that. And um, so it's like, but in the middle as we're talking about what leaders do and how leaders think and all that kind of stuff, when the guys just start tearing up and another guy looks, hey, what can I do for you? He was able to just say, hey, this is another season of loss. It was so cool to watch our guys just come around him. See, it's just really cool when you can do that. The revealing of feeling is the beginning of healing. 
And I mean, I'm telling you, it's a safe environment. We love each other, and it's just it's so cool. So, man, if, you're not, not a, if you don't have a place to reveal your feelings, I mean, man, get in a group. And then once you've reviewed it, and then you reveal it, finally the thing you do is you release it. Specifically, you release it to God. You stop trying to fix the loss yourself, and instead you invite God to heal and comfort your wounds. Instead of saying, you know, time heals every wound, which is a lie, it just makes the emotions sicker if you just let them go. What would it look like to invite God in and say, God, God, you love me. You designed me. You created me. What would it look like for you to say, God, would you come in and would you heal this wound that's here in my heart? God, I, I get so angry all the time. I, I get so frustrated all the time. God, I, I, I do such compulsive behaviors all the time because I know, I know I'm trying to deal with this hurt and this wound. And you know what's so amazing is that when people do that, and, and you know people like that, and I know people like that, and it's their story, and, and this is what they would say about their story. They'd say, listen, I don't know how I got through that darkest valley. I don't even know how I sustained my life and kept it together. I don't know how it kept it together other than the fact that God was with me. He protected me. He sustained me. He kept me. Man, had he not been with me. So here's what we want to do this morning. For many of you, we, we want to give you a moment to begin the process of like identifying what it is that you've lost. Like give you the opportunity to say, you know, what is it that I've lost that I have not grieved? What, what have you lost that you have even like failed to grieve? Don't, don't, don't miss this. The healthiest emotional habits lead to the healthiest personal relationships. That's like when a person tells me, oh, I, I'm not going to go to a counselor. I, there's no way I'm going to go to a counselor, those kind of things. I'm like, man, just cringe. Because I, I know this. The healthiest emotional habits, they lead to the healthiest personal relationships. It's like a person who refuses to do the revealing of feeling. I'm like, man, there's not going to be any, unheal, any healing. See, until you begin to install some of these healthy practices in your life, basically what you're doing is you're essentially undermining all the relationships that you love around you. And then there's something else that I've learned on this journey, and, and I'm so glad someone revealed or pointed this out to me, and that is this. It, it's, it's this thing about God. It's, it's not that he can't, but it's kind of like this is how God operates. It's like God chooses not to heal what I don't admit to feel. It's like, until I admit, this is what I feel. It's as if God waits for me to admit it before he enters into that part of my story. So we're going to carve out a little bit of space for you this morning, and, and we're going to play a song, and we're just going to allow you some space and give you some time. And, man, we just want you to process the words of this song. This song, it has this little refrain in it that goes something like this. It says, as I walk through the valley... Let your love rise above every fear. Like the sun shaping the shadow in my weakest times, may your glory appear. So would you invite God in to your loss today? Would you say, God, man, this is what I feel like I've lost 
God, this is what I feel like I need to grieve. I don't even know how to grieve it, but would you come into my heart and begin healing this wound and help me to grieve this loss appropriately? Listen, listen, please hear me. The Christmas season, it reminds us that Jesus came to earth, that he was born, that he lived, and he died, and he rose again so that you didn't have to wonder if God was with you. You didn't have to wonder if God sees or understands your pain. See, Jesus proved all of that by coming to this earth so that you can have the confidence that God is with you. God is a loving Heavenly Father, and He cares about every one of you. He loves you. And here's the thing. When you invite Him into your loss, it's an invitation that He seems to say yes to every time. And folks, that is so good to know. And that's why many of you, you need to share Christmas and invite some family members and some friends to share a Christmas Eve service with you on your campus because there are so many people who need to understand the truth that God loves them and that grace is this amazing gift that God imparts into our story that he uses to heal our loss. So I'm gonna pray for every one of you and then the band is gonna come out and they're gonna sing a song and, and while they sing, will, will you just begin today the process of inviting God into your loss? And then at the end of the song, if, if you want someone to pray with you, I mean, there'll be prayer team members available at the front after the service on every one of our campuses. We'd love to help you begin this process of leaning in and inviting God to begin the healing process so that you can have the kind of relationships that you dream of having and God definitely wants you to have. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for what you're gonna do in every one of our hearts as we get really honest with you. As we begin to say, God, um, and there's so many things for some of us. There's people, there's things, there's dreams, there's moments, God, where we've experienced loss. God, today, as, as we just lean into your presence during this song, I pray that you will begin to do a work that many of us have been afraid to allow you to do. And God, may this season be a healing season because we've invited you into the process of healing our loss. God, we love you and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.